The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to Banjo College Football. My name is Kevin Paul. I'm hosting the world's most ethical college football podcast. Joining me, as always, are uh, two men, one who seems to be doing fine and one who may be irreparably broken. Uh, I'll let you guys decide who is who. Fellas, how are we? You can't be broken when you've become the Joker. It's really, it's really quite simple. Pray um, tell, Andrew, why have you become the Joker? Can you elaborate? I, I missed a lot on Saturday, so. <laughs> well, see, my preferred presidential candidate suffered an excruciating loss early in the day. Um, <laughs> um, something that he apparently still is yet to concede. No, uh, I, I'm, I'm currently listed on this call as voter fraud advocate, um, but I think I'm going to change it to uh, JT Daniels knee lesion um, because uh, that, that, is a, that is a phrase that I have heard far too many times try to explain away uh, why this is feeling like uh, calling for the days of Grayson Lambert at quarterback. Um, but I'm sure that we will we will get to all things election and uh, Georgia football. Rippy, how you doing? I'm just chilling. I would say that accurately describes like the last week of my life because like Ole Miss was off last week, and this seemed like really the first week since probably late September where you had obviously the COVID issues with Florida, LSU, and the Missouri Vandy. This seemed to be the first week it tipped back up. I gave up trying to figure out who won the presidential election at about 11 p.m. on Tuesday night. I was with MC. We were going to, like, made this plan. We we're going to stay up and watch it. And when it became apparent that this nothing was going to come of this within 48 hours, I was like, all right, to hell with this. I'm going to bed. Like, I think I know who probably won this thing, but I'm just going to wait until I, like, see it somewhere else. Like, I've just checked out of that. Then Ole Miss doesn't have a game. So I really just kind of, like, dawdled through last week and just in a trance. Like, that's really about it. Yeah, I've really started to, um, I mean, when football season comes around, I feel like the only way that you're able to get through the weeks is like, all right, I got like a trip planned some to some bullshit uh, town in the southeast in two or three weeks. That'll get me through these these couple of days of monotonous work. And now that like 
those things are canceled. The weddings are canceled. And like, you're kind of, you're kind of just staring at the end of the year. Like, I mean, I guess I'm sitting here with my thumb up my ass and a shitty football team to watch for the next 50 or 60 days. Like, <laughs> this isn't ideal. Yeah, Andrew, that's a great point. We just, as people that grew up, you know, as football fans in SEC country, like the entire fall season does revolve around football in one way or another. It's just natural. Even when I moved to New York, I had like a couple of trips planned to Bama games and it sort of revolved around those. And that's just gone. <laughs> it's it's awful. Like, so my parents have been tailgating for Ole Miss games since, I guess it'd be about four or five years since before I was alive. So right out about 30 years. And, you know, they've gone up to Oxford one time this year just to be in the town while there was a game going on. And like they hung out at the condo, like went to their neighbors, ordered some food or whatever. But like every time I talk to them now, it's like, what are y'all doing this weekend? They're like, nothing pretty depressing. And like, they're just like, they don't know what to do with themselves in the fall. This is what they've done seven out of you know 12 Saturdays in the fall for you know, 30 years. And now they just feel kind of lost every time I talk to them. And I mean, not to uh, belabor the, the Georgia point, but. No, let's belabor it. <laughs> <laughs> Offense is fucking chore to watch. But um, the, the, something that has been like, we have been uh, screaming, or at least the LSU fans I've been around have been screaming, "Fake season, fake season!" And I, I don't, I, I don't think that it's a fake season. But there has been like, it feels a lot like baseball does, and in the sense that I don't know if y'all get this feeling, but like, it has started to feel extremely regional in the sense that like every conference is just doing their own fucking thing. Pac-12 football started last week. Like I got really, really into the, I mean, like I'm like any normal and by normal, I mean, fucking irony, poisoned, brain dead football sycophant. But like, I, I feel like I'm a normal football fan in the sense that like, if we lose a game, if Georgia loses a game, I'm turning off football for the rest of the day. Like, I don't really want to see it. Like I wake up the next day, like, Oh fuck. That was annoying. Like the nature of college football, if you lose one or two games, your season's kind of over. And now I feel like it's become, when I say baseball and regionalized, I mean like you really care about your team, but you don't kind of give a shit about the rest of the season of the college football product. Like when Georgia came on, I really, really cared about the Georgia Florida game. And then when we lost, it was like I turned on the Clemson, like Notre Dame. Like it was just like – and then I didn't even watch the second half of that game even though it was a good game. And so it was just this where I like I put on a movie, which never fucking happens. And so I I get this – and maybe this is just me trying to uh, distract ourselves from the fact that we've started an 11-string quarterback against Florida for the second time in five years. Um, but I don't know. What do, what do you all think? I guess, Rippy, this is more apt since you're not a fan of the number one team in the country. But – I agree. But to me, the, what you're talking about, about it becoming regionalized, to me, is because of the way the different leagues have been handled and r- really more so the number of games. Like whether whether starting the season in late September, honestly, if you really want to look back at it now with the way you see the coronavirus is like ravaging even the NFL and college football, like 
wouldn't they have almost been smarter? It probably wasn't logistically possible to get this out of the way early August and October, right before this like sixth season comes up, right? Seems like what might have been the prudent play, but that's neither here nor there. I guess what I'm saying is you can debate whether it was the right choice when to start or to start at all. But now you like I feel when I watch an ACC game, it feels kind of legit. Same with Big Twelve, same with SEC. But you're about to see a couple Pac-12 and a couple Big Ten teams play five game seasons, and that to me is where it just be kind of comes like, okay, this isn't really real. And so that's where it's the hang up for me is like at least the other three conferences are getting ten games in. So I kind of feel like there's a body of work and a slow build to all this. To where it's just hard to like find that with the five game season, like with the two Pac-12 cancellations last week, I was like, "Oh, this is just going to be uninteresting from the start." Exactly. Like, I, like Wisconsin, I you know I didn't follow them that much through the all season, but it felt like you know as they are most years, it's going to be like a top twelve, top fifteen type of program, and they had to cancel their first two games. And with Big Ten policy, it's like those games just aren't going to be made up. So Wisconsin's going to play what eight games max this season, and. It, it would be one thing if they just if the conferences came out and said, "Look, we're going to do our own thing this year. We are not going to qualify, try to qualify for the playoff or whatever." But no, it's like Ohio State's going to go six and zero and try to get into the college football playoff this year. Yeah, but that implies that there are qualifications to get into the college football playoff. Yeah, but I feel like only six games, like less than eight games, should kind of be disqualified in its own right. Right? Like I just. They would put this podcast in the college football playoff before they put in BYU. Look, <laughs> Mormon money goes far, baby. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. That's uh, that's what's going to be fascinating by the end of this. KB, I agree. The, pro- the I guess the biggest gripe I have in terms of looking at this whole thing, and it's easy to second-guess people, but the idea if you were going to start late and play a truncated season – to not allow for any sort of makeup dates or bye weeks is just asinine. After watching what happened with the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 the first couple of weeks, whatever you make of Sankey and his leadership and all of that, at least they filled out the schedule to where, okay, this is like shit's hitting the fan right now. Let's play this December 12th. And now they've got three or four games and you're going to have an, almost an extra weekend. You're probably going to end up having four or five games on December 12th. To where I don't understand the Big Ten and the Pac-12 being like, we're going to be able to play six, seven straight weeks with no problem. That part is did not make sense. How can you not pack in some sort of truncated bye week or something? And the, the ironic part about all of this is the, the way that we're seeing these outbreaks occur, like March and April, it was the Northeast, then kind of over the summer, you saw it in the South. And the Midwest, while things were not, I mean, it was bad everywhere, but like relatively, they weren't breaking out there. That was when they were being smart and saying, we're not going to play football. And now, just by the the nature of the geography of this country, you have that read. The Midwest is now going to be forced indoors for, I mean, a period of a couple of months because of the weather while the coronavirus is spiking in that region. And so, I mean... I could be, I could be just crazy, and I, I know that uh, I am. Well, you, you are. Let's get that out of the way. Yeah, I'm, I, I. Well, I'll say this in short. I know I am a uh, an absurd supporter of a red school who has hired a prodigal son head coach, but thank fucking god, I'm not a Nebraska fan. Oh, <laughs> oh man, the 
ne- Nebraska football, it's for those who don't know, they, they are the the leader in the clubhouse of can I speak to the manager uh, in college football. Uh, you know, beating the drum for the Big Ten over the summer to restart the season where you know, Ohio State, obviously, you know, has the brand with the most to gain from playing this season in that conference. Iowa, which was kind of strange, but, you know, they're a lifelong Big Ten member, and it made sense for them to want to keep those traditions up. And that old Big Ten stalwart, Nebraska, who has been in the conference for so long, I think nine years now, and they demanded their divine right to go five and seven again this season. It's going to be fun when that five and seven turns into like one and four. (laughs) I mean, they were bowl eligible from September on or October on. Yeah. It's this is year three for Scott Frost, right? Has it been? Yes. And it, it looks like Bill Callahan era Nebraska at this point. It's gone backwards somehow. <laughs> We've talked about this before. That and well, I say Tennessee. I guess there's a chance that it changes. But you talk about the Mount Rushmore of schools to where it's just never happening again as bad as their fan base wants it to happen. Nebraska is the leader in the clubhouse again. Like, that's I mean, never happening again. Because even like even Penn State and even Miami and like I mean we've mentioned Tennessee and Texas like at least at the fucking like they qualify for bowl games in seasons where everyone doesn't qualify. I mean this is uh, now now living in Baton Rouge I probably shouldn't speak down upon teams that lose to Troy, but like this is a team that is like losing to the Troys of the world. Like Nickel State is taking them to the wire as a Georgia fan probably shouldn't shit on teams who Nickel State takes to the wire, but neither here nor there. Like this is not a team that is competing on, I mean, if you want to look at it in an S&P perspective, what, a top 70? Like are they even in the top half of the FBS? Probably not. And I, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while on why – it can't happen for Nebraska. And I think those other schools you named, there, there is a path for that simply because of where they are. Like if Tennessee just recruits East Tennessee well and they take back their share of Memphis, they'll be fine. Same for Miami, same for Texas. But ne- Nebraska does not benefit from being in Nebraska. The amount of players they've had to pull from California when they were really good is obscene. And you just can't do that anymore. Um their facilities are great, but they were good, what, in the 70s to the 90s because they were the first program to really embrace a strength program? And now, you know, what, the Catholic – were fucking fake before 1982. Well, maybe maybe <laughs> you shouldn't smoke cigarettes at halftime. Yeah, and Andrew, yeah. Our, our high school probably has better facilities now than Nebraska did in, like, 1984, right? So that, <laughs> so that doesn't – matter anymore they somehow found a weird way around i think it was prop um 67 or something that allowed ineligible players to still sign now everybody has a good compliance department in the fbs so that's not an advantage anymore either Um, you got an email address to direct us to a good one (laughs) (laughs) speaking of of the storylines we could have ranked coming into this uh pastor hugh is up there he's a his name is kind of like the hot commodity to be the next uh, preacher slash head football coach at some school. It's uh, Pastor Hughes got it going on right now, and he uh, I know he had that Ross Dellinger article last week where his family's paid a great price, and I just feel terribly for him because of that. The, 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 the ultimate goal here has to be like 
Hugh Freeze gets Liberty to outlay a, a a big stadium to where they can just play football games at night. He sleeps there and then runs mega church in the morning, right? <laughs> what would be the funniest school he ends up at next? Liberty is Stanford <laughs> University. Honestly, honestly, if if the piss and miss does not happen last November and Matt Luke is a lame duck head coach entering this year, I, could you not see the stars aligning for that? If Matt Luke had stuck around one more year, they sucked again, which they would have, and then he gets canned in this April, December or whatever, the path to Hugh Freeze back to Oxford and back to Funkies would be just almost tailor-made. Ole Miss has no moral high ground over the University of Louisville, so I can absolutely see them pulling a Petrino and bringing him back. Oh, it would be just—I don't even know what I would think about that. But outside Ole Miss, where would be the funniest place you could go? I could pro- probably argue. Ribby, you were saying if we're talking lame ducks and we're talking about fake evangelicals failing their way into power, I think there might be an opening at sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> But before we go, I think the funniest school for Freeze to end up at is South Carolina because you've basically got Hugh Freeze recruiting against Kirby Smart and Dabo Swinney year in, year out. And that's just quite entertaining on so many different fronts. It would happen again. I think he would land kids. I don't think he would land all of them, but I think he would land enough to where Kirby and Dabo kind of look at each other after a while and be like, how do we get this fucker out of here? He would be more annoying than Will Muschamp, I guarantee you that, which is, I mean, impressively hard to do. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know where. So, so we operate, I think, on like two dueling timelines because you have one where it's like it's Hugh Freeze. This is going to be the only thing that he's ever known for is fucking burner phones and strippers. And then there's this other one where it's like. Nothing is real and news doesn't matter since the years that he's been fired from Ole Miss. And so, like, you, we do operate on this. Like, our brain can't even handle the information that he once uh, made an egregious act to get him fired. Now in 2021, um, he's just the head coach at Liberty who seems to be doing well. Might as well usher him back into to Power 5 football. He wins everywhere he goes. For all of his flaws, he went 12-1 and one at Lambeth, whatever that is. He won at Arkansas State. He won rapidly at Ole Miss. Like, the guy knows how to coach football. It's just he's not, a, not the greatest human. I mean, he's exactly okay. the best human. Okay, so, yeah. So, so hear me out, and after you, you hear this name, I think y'all might start laughing. But what happens if old Dave Arandis keeps sucking next year? <laughs> Oh man, is is he is he freeze Baylor's brand of Christian? Because that's like super bad, like super Southern Baptist down there. Is that is that Hugh's brand, Rippy? Do you know? It's their brand. I mean, no, because because if Hugh acted, if Hugh behaved behind the scenes the way he the way he acts publicly, yes. But what Hugh says and what Hugh actually does, he would really start to rub people the wrong way in uh, in Waco is the way I would describe that. Well, this man, Art Bryles, was the coach there for like seven years. Art Bryles didn't do the bad shit. He just enabled it. Big difference there, Andrew. I don't know about that. I don't know if there is a difference. 
We're all talking about sweeping shit under the rug. At least Browse was not openly defiant about how great of a person he was while all that was going on. He just kind of left room for there to be questions. Yeah. I would argue that Bryles is more of a morally reprehensible human being than Freeze. Freeze just wanted to get some on the side. Freeze is a narcissist. I don't think he's totally morally bankrupt. I think he's just a narcissist, where Bryles, I think, is just completely morally bankrupt. Well, Freeze Freeze is just fucking – like, Freeze is is uh, scheduling a uh, press conference at the Four Seasons Landscaping Company type funny. Like, it's just it, – <laughs> Like, like you can, you can't help but just be like, oh, you like, you just, you just wanted to get your dick sucked. You don't like your wife that much. Like, like that's the like. Our brows is like, holy shit! Like, you're an enabling monster, man. It's yeah, exactly. It's like freeze is like it's kind of a hilarious dog and pony show, and the lack of self awareness makes it funnier to her. Brows is kind of like, oh, this guy might be evil. Yeah, he's a he's an actual super like Hugh Freeze is like. A Scooby Doo villain that gets caught or whatever, and Bryles is Art Art Bryles. And I get <laughs> yeah, there's not. I mean, yeah, he's Hugh Freeze is much more in the Bobby Petrino line than well, Bobby Petrino might be a weird confluence of both of those things. The University of Louisville in the the early to mid aughts with Bobby Petrino, Rick Petino, and fucking John Shatner literally running the shots there to be a fly on the wall in some of those like higher athletic board meetings. I mean, like, like you have three insane, like psychopathic, horny narcissists that are just throwing money and influence around the entire school, but legitimately running this entire town. I, I, you know, it's so funny too. Bobby Petrino left Louisville for the Falcons job, got fired from the Falcons, well, left the Falcons job early in the year they were doing terrible, went to Arkansas, went to a Sugar Bowl, and then won a Cotton Bowl at Arkansas. Crashed his motorcycle, took a year off, went to Western Kentucky for a year, and was back at Louisville. And Rick Petino was there the whole time. I'm telling you, basketball runs that fucking state, dude. It is insane. They do. They need an NBA team in Louisville, to be honest. What? They need an NBA team in Louisville. That is a hoop state. Like that, I always thought like it's southern enough that if they had good football, that might take precedent. But that is a hoop state through and through. Try to get the NBA PA to uh, vote for Louisville over Las Vegas. True. Las Vegas and Seattle are getting teams. Yeah, that would be fun. Move the fucking Grizzlies and the Pelicans back to the east and let me not have to play uh, the Spurs 600 times a year. (laughs) So, fellas, um, as Andrew knows, as a Baton Rouge resident, and as I know, as an Alabama alum, it's supposedly a big game this weekend. Uh, Alabama was supposed to go down to Baton Rouge and play the Louisiana State University Fighting Tigers. which, you know, seemed like it was a go since Coach O told the media that his entire team got COVID over the offseason. I heard he kissed every single one of them on the mouth. On the mouth, on the mouth. And and then reports came out today. Hey, hey Pete, I don't mean – we, we can get – I just want to put a mental note here. Uh, I don't think we've recorded since that Coach O picture came out. Speaking of Coach O kissing things <laughs> on the mouth. We'll talk about that later, though. Let's just 
let's just run down the list of Coach O stuff because we also have not we also have not potted since they got beat forty eight to three by a really not very good Auburn team. Forty eight to three. All right, KP, lead us lead us into this this uh, this post mortem this pre post mortem somehow. So. Obviously, Cotro says all he's a good recruiter, right? So he knows how to say all the right things, make people feel good, make you think they're on the right track. And, and then they make Bo Nix look like an all-American quarterback for three and a half quarters. I say three and a half quarters because he got subbed out in the middle of the fourth because uh, they were kicking LSU's ass so bad. Uh, sometime just before that, Coach O was pictured with what could only be a sophomore KD um, in, some res- in some resort swimming pool. Um, and today, uh, Monday afternoon, reports came out that LSU may not meet the available player threshold for Saturday's game against Alabama, which I think it's in LSU's best interest just to not have that game play personally. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, Coach O is a, a few minutes, I mean, a few positive tests away from what, going two and seven? No, KP, because I have a college game day helmet duct taped to a colander, and I will be suiting up at quarterback for the Tigers this weekend. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I got a text actually after the Auburn game from a friend of the pod, Miles Bergeron, and he I, I think it was just some version of, you were right, I was wrong. Um, and this was, this was after uh, the Auburn game discussing uh, Gene Chizik, uh, Les, or, um, Ed Orgeron comparisons. But um, this, is, uh, this is only me coming from a place of humility after I've had to internalize my own Kirby Smart Mark Rick comparisons uh, this past weekend. LSU has to cook the books and just admit more positive tests, right? I mean, the report came out they have one scholarship quarterback. That automatically puts a bounty on him. I don't know if they realize that, but they have yeah. one available quarterback for the game this week. May not look all that dissimilar from some of their offenses in the early to mid-2000s. True, but just saying there's only one quarterback, that just puts like a big like uh, oh, yeah. get here sign on TJ Finley's knees. They, they can't yeah. play that game. Why if that dude's gonna get hit like Aaron Murray in the SEC championship in 2012. But every point, yeah. How much we like this is might be my favorite conversation we have doing this pod is the the constant O updates because I find the story fascinating. Like how much what does 2021 look like for Orgeron? Because watching that Auburn game, I just like that could decide it for me. I think Ole Miss is gonna beat the shit out of LSU. Because they can, Auburn came in there. And, like, Ole Miss blew that game late, and I was like, yeah, okay, Ole Miss' defense sucks, but, like, Auburn was very underwhelming. Like, the storyline out of that game was, like, if Ole Miss could have gotten one stop on defense, like, they, they would have been fine. And then LSU plays just a complete non-competitive game from the start. So if this thing goes that south, how many wins do they have? Do they have two? One, two, two. Maybe Carolina and Vandy. Okay, so if that goes two and seven or two and eight, what does 2021 look like for Ed? Like, how much – Capital does the national championship buy you if things are going south that quickly? Two years. We've seen it. <laughs> yeah, like uh, is he in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one? And like this is the take of a guy who works from home and spends fucking thirty hours a day terminally online, but like there, there isn't a life pre-pandemic. Like it is reset ev- like, like I know it really does it sounds stupid, but like we're not able to properly analyze things pre 
February of this year. And like, I do think that is going to bleed over into the sports realm. Like I, I think people have completely discounted. Maybe it feels different if you win a national championship. I, I truly wouldn't know, but like it, I think that when you turn around a national championship and you put everything into this fucking COVID vacuum, like you don't come out of it. Like, like we said a couple episodes ago, I think a two and eight season is further on the scale of bad than somehow a 15 and Oh, maybe best team ever is on the scale of good. And I don't know how that's possible, but like, if you go into 2022 or 2021 on the hot seat, like I think that's what that indicates. Yeah. I mean, if you look at a school like LSU, well, no, not a school like LSU has won four national championships in history under four different coaches and kind of four pretty different times of in college football in terms of the way it's evolved. So O's not indispensable in that front. You know, if same thing with Auburn in a way, Auburn won like in the late, I think 57 or so. And they were undefeated in 04 and they won again in 2010. Uh, th- th- that's why Auburn's so quick to put their coaches on the hot seat as well. Uh, o has to win 10 games next year, right? I, maybe nine, but he does not have a long leash. LSU's done it with maybe a worse coach than Orgeron <laughs> in Les Miles. We never know. But he's not, you know, he's not the crown jewel of that program. They'll do it again without him. Is quick to prove it too. I agree. I think it's got to be nine and three, and it depends on how the nine and three looks. And but is is Bo Pelini the worst hire a head coach has made for a coordinator that has a national championship ring? I realize there is zero way to quantify this or answer this accurately, but I can't remember a just a more perplexing and just really just kind of disgusting hire from a results perspective from a guy who just won a natty. How does that happen? They and, they the, don't they don't look like they know what they're doing uh, on defense. But how did we not – I didn't criticize the Bo Pelini hire at the time. Honestly, I got to August and I'd forgotten it had happened. Like how did this slip by without everyone being like, what the fuck is this? I thought it was a fun hire. Like, you know, it was whatever. It's Bo Pelini. It's all cool. But Jesus Christ, it's bad. It's really bad. Well, so here's my question is like – and I understand that this is like saying, well, without fucking California, Joe Biden would have, wouldn't have won the presidency or whatever. Awesome. But like, <laughs> I agree. But like, without without the national championship last year, though, is Orgeron like fired like mid season? Maybe not mid end of season for sure. If Orgeron just goes like eight and four last year, and this season is happening, not I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about like. What if they would have gone eleven and two, lost the SEC championship, and won the Fiesta Bowl or something? Like, like I'm talking about, like, had they had their 2018 season where they beat UCF in the Fiesta Bowl, and then just not had last year, and then they go into this. Like, I, I guess my my overall point is, like, coaches don't survive these type of seasons at these schools. Like, like I don't think this is a uniquely LSU thing. I think this is. 15 programs across the country. Like if, if you follow, if you don't follow up a three and nine season or whatever the fuck you're going to end up with, like if, if that isn't the year that gets you fired, I, I, I guess zooming out, like Chiswick, Chiswick would not have gotten fired for going three and nine had he won the national championship the year prior instead of two years prior. But since he did it, like, like Orgeron, I think would be gone right now. And I think 
will be gone in the middle. Like, if they lose a third game before the Alabama game in 2021, I think he's fired before the end of the season. I don't even know if it gets that far. I think it's like uh, LSU in 2016. If he starts 2-2 two and two and they do not look good in the two losses, I mean, that's it. It's, <laughs> it's over. It may be one of the most insane, like, coaching – I mean, like, the Ed Orgeron case study is – is unlike literally any other coach in the history of college football. I, I hate to bring up the man's personal life, but I did see a tweet over the offseason. It's like, you know, never bet on a coach that's going through a divorce. And it's it, we've seen it throughout. I mean, Florida State was fine. I mean, 10-3 and three was a down year for them in 2016. And then the wheels fell off immediately, like as Jimbo was going through that. it's there, There's a track record of this. Yeah, that, that, that is some uniquely college football ass shit too. <laughs> yeah. like, like, the only sport. You know why though? Like we said earlier, because only in college football can fucking pictures go viral of your head coach who's worth a hundred million dollars hooking up with a fucking twenty-two year old. So I got to who shame whoever that woman was. But when that photo got circulated to me, every group text I was in, there was a heated debate about her age and how old she was. Is that confirmed to be a college-age person? Because you can make the argument that, like, I don't know. Actually, I don't know what argument you can make. All I'm saying, there was a lot of talk and discussion and uncertainty about how old that lady actually was. Was she actually, like, college-age? Is that confirmed? As someone that was recently in college, she looks college-age. Ed Orgeron is 59 years old. I would bet every penny in my bank account that that woman was not half his age. <laughs> Probably what's, the, what's the rule that we need codified in U.S. law, half your age plus seven? Yeah, but that, that <laughs> needs to be federal law. law. I'm sorry. So half your age plus seven for Coach O, is that's a 60-year-old dating a 37-year-old? That's my dad dating a 37-year-old. It's no, that like it's weird, but that's that's better than this. <laughs> like, there can't be, there can't be, any, like my dad is in his sixties. There can't be anyone like that's like a, an apt date, a suitable dating candidate for both of us. That shouldn't exist. That's like Tom and Gail Benson, though, and whatever they. they Tom Benson sucks. <laughs> it's creepy, and apparently Gail Benson sucks too. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying, if O with a 37 year old makes. A lot more sense. It makes me cringe a little bit less than whatever this was. I guess it was over the off season. I don't know when he'd find time to do this in season. Uh, if he was doing it in season, it'd make a lot more sense as to why they're two and four right now. But yeah, I, that's how I see it. I don't know. Could be wrong. Coming across Coach O on Tinder. <laughs> that was a Tinder ass picture. That <laughs> But like that's also like a like. That's not a picture that you take when things are going fine. Like, like, if you're just, like, cheating on your wife or, like, you have a, 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 a SEC championship to go compete for, uh, you, are, you are doing the deed, getting out and going home. You are not, like, drunk sitting around being, like, posing oh, for pictures. Five-year-old put me on the internet. Yeah, how does that picture get out? Like, he's obviously looking at the camera. It's not a sneak attack. Like, how does he allow that picture to be taken? Uh, yeah, and it's like obviously this picture is going to be used by this nineteen-year-old. Again, she gets younger every time I say something. I can't go. <laughs> but, um, the, 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 yeah, like how do you not? You're the most famous man in this town. What what do you think is going to happen with it? Yeah, he had to have 
not had his faculties to even pose for a picture like that. Uh, because there was what the remember the Julian Edelman selfie after one of those Patriots Super Bowls, and it's like that made sense because he was asleep, rolled over to the other side. That's whatever. O is looking right into the camera, smiling his ass off, posing <laughs> yeah. for a Christmas card. <laughs> oh, oh man, what a Christmas uh, a Christmas card to Baton Rouge. That this uh, I, I I will say that. Uh, for LSU fans at this point, you have to embrace things like that because it's just jokes at this point. Like you had, you have a coach that speaks like he he eats breakfast nothing but gravel and nails. Uh, a guy that people just universally chide as a hire because he's been nothing other than a disappointment at Ole Miss and then a mild success as two interims, probably just because like he chugs Red Bull and then wrestles the players before the games. And then that guy loses to Troy, burns all of the non-existent goodwill with the fan base, puts together the greatest team that has ever happened, gets a divorce immediately as the season ends, gets a $50 million payday, and then just blows it all in the most be- – like – this man is a case study on how to, I think, go out on top. Not to mention, like, starts dabbling in the political ring, like talking to Trump about COVID and stuff, too. Like, the, he, he really just broadened his horizons this past offseason. This was after this was three months after doing fundraisers for the Democratic governor for Louisiana. Like, what? <laughs> this guy, I... I I mean, like, like look, you, you can't you can't stop the vibe. All right. Just let Coach O vibe. OK, that's that's what I'm getting from all of this. What I do, what I do really appreciate about Coach O is like. There are so many people across college football, like coaches specifically, I mean, the Pruitts, the Muschamps, the Tom Hermans, like these guys that are like develop one strand of a personality, like develop something that isn't just like. I do nothing but ignore my wife and fucking yell at 19-year-olds. Like, 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 Coach O is a very real human being. Like, v- very loud, very politically active, very much wants people to know that he gets late. Like, like, he's just a very normal, dumb Southern Louisiana guy. You gotta, you have to appreciate it. With the keys to the most powerful economic vehicle in the state. <laughs> Which is why when it's going well, he's actually likable. And then when it's going bad, he's easy to like shit on, I guess. Because, right, like all these people do not like Edwards Rob. But like I was captivated by that story last year. I was like, this is kind of awesome. And like he is real, if nothing else. Yeah. But when it goes wrong, it's like I could do what he's doing now. He's just like, you know, just fucking and just having the best time of his life. Just you know, <laughs> not worried about his job. I could do that. I do you know what it is? Anyway. It's the distilled, like, harmless version of, like, the Ravel tweet that he got shit on for of, I feel bad for our country, but this is tremendous content. Like, <laughs> as an LSU fan, I'd be like, I feel bad for you, but my God, it's got to be fun to watch this shit. <laughs> like, an absolutely, like, because if you weren't good, it wouldn't be fun. It would just be depressing, but, like, you have provided the highest of highs and the, it, it really would be like if Hugh Freeze won a fucking national championship. Like, like, like happening, mark it down somewhere. I, I, 
I, I think that uh, if it really, it really would be great if we found out that the college football playoff just does have this wildly religious bent, and they let BYU and uh, and Liberty into the playoff while keeping the the Western Michigans and the the UCFs of the world out. Oh yeah, it's uh, very parochial up there uh, with the CFP committee. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the the leaders of our country and the leaders of college football having a massively, massively uh, no. religious bias, I can't imagine. The, the playoff is going to be Auburn, Notre Dame, Liberty, and BYU. Um, because, and, uh, and they've actually added a fifth spot for Baylor. Yeah, a fifth spot for Baylor. Uh, because Auburn is probably the like, – Auburn's a Baptist school for all intents and purposes. <laughs> they just can't say it out loud. Oh, Yeah. The, I mean, Spencer Hall has had the most like prescient take of Auburn that I think there is, which is like everywhere Auburn fans go, like in their neighborhoods, at their home state, at the grocery store, like they are the minority. Like they are the underdog. They are living their life in Alabama country. But at the moment, 230 kicks on the plains that stadium and that that city is nothing but the confluence of like redheaded stepchildren like finding their own. I mean, <laughs> it breeds insanity. Oh uh, God, I, I will never go back to an honorable at Jordan Hare. Not because you know I hate Auburn or the stadium so much. It's just weird over there, man. It's just really, really weird when the ball kicks off. And, and you know what? I, I weird. It's Auburn State and A&M, and they all have similarities. I don't know how many of the three y'all have been to, but that's the conclusion I've come to. It's like they're all weird in similar ways. It's the ag school, and I don't know what it is about it. Yeah, I've been, I've been all three and can't confirm, Rip. <laughs> I, haven't been to, I haven't been to State, but the Auburn, the Auburn one, part of the weirdness of it is when you're playing post-daylight saving time football – where Auburn lies on the central time border of like, like uh, the, yeah. the central time border is Georgia uh, is the Georgia Auburn state line. And so it gets dark there at literally like four fifteen, like in like November and December. Mm-hmm. And so when you have like the first half of a two thirty game start to get dark. Like it, it just doesn't feel like you like, like it feels like you're playing a video or like a, a football game in like, a fucking Halloween haunted house or something. I don't know. Like it, it just feels like eerie shit is about to happen. And the way that stadium's constructed too, it's like not your typical stadium, like the huge monstrosity that goes straight up, but it does get loud, but it's also a strange kind of loud too. I don't know. To KP's point, I don't can't really articulate it. It's just strange. Yeah. yeah it, it's not like, you said, it, it's not the loudest stadium I've ever been in. It's, you know, it's not the, it's not the biggest state I've ever been in. They aren't even the weirdest fans I've ever come across. The weird—that's probably state, to be honest. I found state fans to be even weirder than A and M. But Auburn, it, like A and M, they they have an inferiority complex and they embrace it, right? And kind of same for state. Auburn has that little brother complex, but also like demanding you treat them as Alabama's equal. And it's like, no, y'all are seven and four. No, I can't, sorry, can't do it. <laughs> Auburn would be like if the Winklevoss twins were fraternal twins and one was like only 6'2", 200. <laughs> That's perfect. Notice me. That's awesome. Uh, on that, all right, Auburn is one of the Winklevoss twins. I think we can leave on that note. <laughs> Y'all, thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, rate five stars. We love you, and we'll talk to you soon.
again, fake season. <laughs>